trail and house on the hill. Bonanza show manager, corporate America, spike for 10 minutes to kill. Weird some wages, dumb moon lords of Vegas, time stories, so run into Vega Fungi. Pause fever, saboteur, garden, there's no been an island in RBCV. Stockpile and fresco and patchwork and I don't see anything dead of winter. Looney Quest Legacy, Spartacus, Brick Party, Camelot, Quinter Rockstar. Scope to Mini, a Game of Thrones trivia, Mystery of the Abbey. Risk, Legacy, Compatibility, Spinachy, Road to Canterbury. There's Fist and Flows, Cold Expressing, Google Penny, Press, Basilla, Pest, Game of Thrones. Mount Everest, Istanbul, Letters from My Triple, Funny Prince, Watson and Holmes. Battles of Westeros, Steam Park, Ingenious, High Creationary, Super Rhino, Karuba, Mafia, De Cuba, Escape from Zombie City, On Atama, Celestia, Fury of Dracula, Sleuth, Unusual Suspects, Doctor Panic, Fake Artists, Escape from Atlantis, Between Two Cities and Rex, Merchants and Marauders, A Pursuit of Happiness, Dixilla, Bo, Scotland Yard, Banger, Dice, Coconuts, Memor, and Space Cadets, Tapple, Champions of Midgard. Robinson Crusoe has called my capella, go network, ticket to ride. Greed and Mysterium, Escape from Aliens, Paperback and... Hello and welcome to Board of Games, the podcast where we talk about all sorts of board games, new, old, upcoming and weird. My name is Lachlan Albert and I am joined as always by the wonderful Jeff Setti. Jeff, how you doing, mate? I'm good, Lock. How's yourself, buddy? Yeah, doing good, mate. Had a uh, had a big day at work today, so I'm excited to just debrief and chat about games for a bit, which I love to do. So for anyone who hasn't seen uh, us do board of games yet, because, you know, we're a fairly new thing that we're doing at this point, what we're basically doing is just starting by looking at maybe a new game, then we'll do an older game, then we'll talk about some stuff from Kickstarter and other crowdfunding platforms, and then we'll do a bit of a draft. So as a tease for what's coming later in the episode, we'll be drafting small games tonight, so games that you can carry around really easily, and we'll each try and come up with a list of the three best small game options that you can get a hold of. But before yeah, we get into that... Um... And I also want to thank everybody that listened last episode. Lachlan, the results of the uh, the voting are in. I don't know if you know about this. Uh, Jeff's three games, uh, 78,249 votes. Lachlan, oh, yep. 1.5. I don't know who the 0.5 is. Right, but okay. Um, well done for five. Now, now I, I'm just a little bit confused because as far as I know, there was no official place to vote, right? That's just like yeah. A... I, no, I've got them here. I've got they were sent to me. Sure, um, sure. Uh, uh, it, it's been condoned by um, by a Donald Trump Esquire. I don't know sure. how he got involved. Yeah, I've heard of it, him. There's no corruption at all. No, sure, definitely not. Um, but yeah, with that, you know, really important information out of the way, Jeff. Now that you've proved how trustworthy you can be when you're on this podcast. Um, why don't you start telling us about a board game that you enjoy? Uh, this is a, this is my recent games. We always start with the more recent games and then we go a little bit further back in time. This is a 2021 game. It's called Ark. Not it's a 2022 Ark. game. Like, well, let's... it was... Yeah, you, you know, it's a 2021-2022 game. I got it at the end of 2021. That's why I'm saying it's a 2021 game. Uh, it's a great you... game. It's a great game where you basically build a zoo. Uh, it It's a competitive game and it's got the mechanic that you mentioned last time where you've got the choice of things to do. 
<coughs> the higher they are, uh, the higher the reputation, the more you can do with them, the better you can go. And then at certain points, you can flip the, those cards over. Oh, after you've used them, they go back to one and all the other cards move up accordingly. Um, you can flip them over and they become more valuable. But you can only flip them o flip over four of the five cards, so you've got a choice to make. Um, the, the, the winner is decided by not only the most ticket money, but also the most environmentally friendly zoo. And obviously the one that does the most research will also help you. This is a lovely game. It is a longer game. It's a little bit probably towards three hours, I'd say, if everyone is familiar with it. If not, it's a half an hour, 45 minute explanation. And then you get to play it. Um, the cards, the, the only issue with the game is there are so many cards. Oh, it's impossible just, to shuffle. Like, it, it, it very, very, yeah, we're, we're talking a sizable pile. <clears throat> but when you're playing it and enjoying it and uh, there's no there's no sneakiness with it, you're not trying to hijack anybody else's zoo, which I like. You're yeah. just looking after your own zoo. And the better you look after your zoo and the animals therein, the more you're going to make, the more people will come, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of special uh, attractions to build and look after and maintain. And I think it's just it's just lovely. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, I love what you're talking about with the scoring mechanic where basically because you're scoring environmentalism and like zoo popularity in opposite directions, your score is actually yeah. how far you can cross over and the game yeah. ends when someone hits so it means that if you're playing aggressively if you're playing effectively and doing both of those things at a good rate it'll also make the game end faster which is really yes. interesting but it also means yeah. that you can do just as well by focusing on one as the other but to do really well you need to focus on both um, I, I like that and also the you know advice for a player don't make your zoo a reptile zoo or a Primate zoo. Make it a zoo with a bit of everything because you're going to be much more successful that way. And also, <clears throat> excuse me, I still have this cough from the other night. I do like the fact that you can go and make partnerships with universities and and you know you can um, you can you can make partnerships with continents to make things cheaper for you and things like that. Just a beautiful game. Absolutely, I fully agree on this one. I think this game's fantastic. Um, I know that a lot of people are talking about Earth which is a game at the moment that people think has a similar theme, a similar feel um, that they're a big fan of. I haven't gotten to play Earth yeah. yet, but I can I can really back Ark Nova. It was probably, because I only got a hold of it last year because it came out late 2021. Um, yes, it did. It was probably my favourite game of last year. Uh, it was a game where everything you do felt good. There wasn't a turn where you're like, oh, that's a dud turn, because every turn you could see how much advantage you got from X or Y or Z. Um, yeah. So cool. Very, very fun with yeah. a cool thing. And an easy game to pick up. Like, it, so it's, it sounds more complex than it is. In, in explan explanation, it's complex. In playing, it's easy, it's simple, it's, it's a beautiful game to play. Uh, in my gaming group, uh, there's a, a guy from America called Michael who absolutely, hi Michael, if you if you're listening in, absolutely loves the game. Absolutely, without a doubt, just thinks it's great. Yeah, um, I think that 
it's so good at because it is a complex game like you said like a three-hour game a 45 minute yeah. learning explanation you know but once you get in there it's like well which of these actions do you want to do oh probably that one because that one's quite powerful at the moment oh well, how do you want to do yeah. that you can do it this way this way or this way oh well probably that one right now and it just flows in a way that for a game that complicated it almost shouldn't um yeah and, and it gives you choices it gives yes. you choices a and really there's not many thing. games that actually effectively give you choice. Yes, you could do X, Y, or Z, but, you know, a lot of games will, will have negative consequences to doing one or two of those. This, everything's a positive consequence, basically. Absolutely. And really, the game is so beautiful and so much fun. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. You're just going to enjoy the ride. Yeah, for sure. Now, one of the uh, games that I hear Ark Nova compared to a lot is Terraforming Mars. Um, yes. And I'll talk about that comparison more soon, but I'm also going to talk about the, the first game that I want to talk about today, which is also a newer game uh, from last year, which is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. So Terraforming Mars, I'll give a quick rundown of, is an engine building card game. Uh, you take cards, you put them down, you put little tiles on a board that represents Mars, and the aim is to increase the amount of water and oxygen and heat on Mars to a point that it becomes livable. And you use cards that you combo together to make resources to do this, and whoever, basically whoever terraforms Mars the most will win at the end of the game. <laughs> Ares Expedition is the card game version of Terraforming Mars, uh, which takes a massive game and condenses it down to under half the size. Uh, it replaces this big board of Mars with this tiny little board that takes up like 10 or 12 hexes, and that's your board. And then everyone has their own little board to track resources, and there's a big deck of cards, and that's basically it. Um, it's really efficient with the space that it uses, but it keeps all of the things about Terraforming Mars that I really enjoyed. Because it is an engine-building game with a huge stack of cards, like we said about Ark Nova, the stack of cards in Terraforming Mars is massive, and it's the same in Ares Expedition. You end up with this huge stack of cards, um, but all of them feel good. They combo well together. They all do something. And Ares Expedition does a great job of taking that fun factor from Terraforming Mars and just distilling it down, going, do we really need yeah. this much for this board? No. Do we really need all these actions that relate to doing that? No. Cut that out. Do we really need the companies you get at the start? Yeah, those are quite good, actually. Keep them. Do we need all of these cards? Yeah, that's what's fun about the game. Keep them. And it, it does a fantastic job of just getting the fun. And uh, it also adds one of my favorite mechanisms uh, from board games, which a lot of people will recognize from uh, Puerto Rico and from Race for the Galaxy, the mechanism where there are five possible actions that you can do on a turn, five possible phases, but the only ones you'll do are everyone gets to select one every round, and you only play the ones selected by the players at the table. And the one you select, you get a little bonus to do right? So for instance, in this game, phase one is drawing cards. So you don't draw cards unless someone picked phase one as the phase they want to do this turn. And that means everyone gets to draw cards. But whoever picked phase one will get to draw some extra. And it's such a neat mechanic because it means that you're kind of looking around the table going, oh, I really need phase three to happen. But I think you're going to pick phase three, looking at your board. You've got some stuff that you need to build. So you're going to pick that. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to pick phase four so I can produce. 
kind of get a little extra yeah. on that. Um, a really clever mechanism that I think is used really well here to take a game that really was in the form of terraforming Mars, basically the same game, but bigger. And now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Really add some dynamism to it and make it a lot faster because everyone takes their turns at the same time. Huge sure. fan of this. Um, Jeff, you've played this one. Yeah, I have. I love it. Um, I think it's a, uh, as you say, it distills what is already undoubtedly a very, very good game and makes it, you know, simple, easy, concise, easy to pick up, easy to play, uh, fun, not not bitter. There's, again, the, these two games, we picked two games where you're not, <coughs> where it's more you against yourself. You're not ransacking people. You can profit off them. There are ways you can profit off them but you're not ransacking people. And what I really love are the little cubes. Um, and if you get the upgraded mm. cubes, you get little metal cubes, which are really lovely. And uh, because the money in Ark Nova, which I mentioned, I don't like the money. So I've taken the plastic cubes from Terraforming <laughs> Mars and I put them in Ark Nova because uh, it's a, a little better and a little easier to sort of uh, manufacture and, and, and use. And I like that. Um, there's so much to like in this game, and its replayability is very, very high because oh, all of the uh, all of the starting uh, companies, are, you know, you want to play with all of those to begin with before you do anything else, and I really like that. And the thing that I found, like you're saying about competing with yourself almost, is that... Whenever I play a game of this, I look over and I see what someone else has done. And I think to myself, ooh, I want to play a game that focuses on that strategy. And immediately yeah. I want to play the game again. Um, it's really good for yeah. that. I am going to make a perhaps a little bit of a controversial statement here. Because of the two games we've just talked about, I never feel the need to play Terraforming Mars again. No. I would, no, in I, every I situation, much... pick one of those two. <coughs> I much prefer Ares Expansion. To be on Ares Expedition, to be honest, because yeah. as you said, it's it's a smaller game. It's a game that you can play on a. I mean, you're still going to need a reasonable size table because of all the cards that come with it. But you're not going to need the the big board. You're not going to need the place for the big board, and I think that is wonderfully important uh, and yeah. and makes it uh, an easier game to play and an easier game to pick up. Absolutely. Uh, I would, and you much, know, if someone... Sorry, much less time-consuming as well. Absolutely. If someone asks to play Terraforming Mars, I would say, would you rather play Ares Expedition? Because that's kind of tighter. We'll get it done quicker. We can maybe play yeah. two games instead. And then if yeah. they go, no, I really like the big experience, then I would go, well, if we're going to go for a big experience, let's do Ark Nova. You'll get a lot of yes. the same feelings. You'll get to, but you get to build your own zoo. You've got this really interesting scoring mechanic. You know, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's almost like the opposite of a sweet spot for me. With uh, yeah, Terrible and interestingly, and and I agree with you. <coughs> and interestingly, <laughs> when they when they're now making expansions for Ares Expedition alone, because three expansions were kickstarted last year. So, you know, they are definitely building Ares Expedition more at this time than terraforming Mars, which is kind of nice. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, that's actually the reason I picked it, is partially knowing that you were talking about Ark Nova. 
I was like, yeah. well, here's that other game on the other side that does the same thing for me in a smaller way. But then also knowing that those three expansions, they've just showed up at my friendly local game store. So th it's a great time to get into it because you can get in and you can make a big version of a small game almost, which is very, very cool. Yeah, um, yeah. it's wonderful. And, and look, that that's really cool when that's one of the cool things about new games is that expansions come out for them but sometimes old games are just as good jeff you got an old game you want to talk about yeah i got a game from way back in 1992 uh i don't even know if you're alive then lachlan i'm gonna say no i was not i doubt it i was 12 so <laughs> uh and the game is called uh modern art Modern Art is a wonderful uh, game where you and, – and look how many different variations of yeah, the game if, they have. If you're on uh, twitch.tv slash Australia right now, you'll be able to see seven different editions that I've put up for this slide. Uh, one with Dr. Reiner Knizia himself holding the original German printing. Uh, but this game has just been yeah. printed so many times because every time it's good. Yeah. It's uh, essentially you own an art gallery, you bid for paintings, the market dictates how popular the paintings are, and then whoever has the most at the end wins. The paintings become kind of irrelevant. Uh, you know, when we when we play this, we, you know, we, we take on the role of auctioneers and we really have fun with it. Um, you know, you, you kind of enjoy not only looking at the art, the aesthetics of it is, are, are beautiful, but also so the fun you can have playing it. Is quite considerable. Um, it's that simple. Three rounds at the end of the third round, whoever's got the most wins. How easy is that? That's so easy. Uh, and that's the beauty of modern art. It is an easy game to learn. It's an easy game to pick up. And it's a very easy game to play. Um, I love this game so much. Uh, and it, it's obviously stood the test of time because I think it's so popular now, almost as popular as it was the day it released. I know a large number of people who own modern art, including myself. And it's just wonderful. Have you played it? I've got a copy of this new uh, Cool Mini or Not edition, uh, the one with the yes. exploding head. Um, what a fantastic option game. Um, because it's a game where I can't just explain the auction mechanic to you because there's like four or five different auction mechanics. And That's the right. painting that you put up for auction defines what kind of auction you're going to have um, in such an interesting way. And also, you're never quite sure of the value of what you're bidding on because the more of a certain artist come into play, the more valuable that artist's work becomes. So you yes. end up with this so interesting uh, little push and pull of you want certain artists to keep coming out at the right time. If you've got a handful of one artist, you go, well, I know no one else is going to play them because I've got most of them. But also if I get lots of them out, then they're worth lots of money. So if I put them out, I want to win the auction. I don't want other people getting them off me. But at the same time, I kind of want to get a lot of them out there so that they're worth money and then I can win one or two. Yes. It's absolutely fantastic. What I will say... And then that, dictates, that then dictates the kind of auction you want to have as well, which is it's just it's a multi-layered, wonderful game. Um, yeah, it is, it is complete fun. And also kind of silly. 
I like the silliness oh, factor. The silliness is absolutely part of it. What I was going to say is, first off, I've just brought this slide back up because it's worth noting this is not all of the editions of modern art. Far from no, this. This is just the ones that popped up on the first page of Board Game Geek Images. Um, <laughs> but the silliness is such a part of it that I don't know if you can see uh, in the bottom right, not the very bottom right, but the one second from the right yeah. there. Uh, that's an edition that is kind of ridiculous because it comes with a wooden easel and a wooden gavel for you to bang during the auction. Um, it's And it's that kind of game. I genuinely well, the, want to get a wooden gavel to put in my copy of Modern Art. The exploding head one has a tiny wooden gavel that you can use as well. It does have a little one, but man, I just want a big hammer. <laughs> because it, is, the, it is incredible fun. It is. It's so good. But at the same time, I, I don't want to give the sense that it's just silly because it's also very clever, right? Like the ability to play oh, well yeah. in this game and, you know, be successful because you understand the auctions and because you're able to work out which way the prices are going to go is really strong. Um, I think that yeah. if someone knew the game incredibly well and was playing with newbies, they'd have a bit of an advantage. But I also think that's true of a lot of games. Um, so it's That's not true. super fair to say that, right? Um, mm. But it is just something to note. If I've played 100 games of it and you haven't played, I've got a better sense of what a painting is worth. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's that's the same with pretty much every game that we've mentioned in the, in our long history of this yeah, podcast. I, I agree. I just, every game we've mentioned. I know that it is a complaint from a lot of people, that experience barrier, but I think that so much of the fun does come from I play with a bit of a house rule that when you put a painting up for auction, you have to uh, describe why people should be buying this painting. You've got to sell oh, yeah, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. People. You've got to talk about the composition and, you know, the history of this artist and what he was trying to achieve with this piece. Um, we, we, we don't have a house rule of that, but we just do it naturally. <laughs> you know, right, it's well, just one of those things that we've fallen into. Yeah. Well, look, that is a wonderful light game. I'm going to talk about something kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum here. I'm going to talk about a bit of a beefy boy full of plastic, and that is Blood <laughs> Rage. I adore this game. If you have a look, and I'll bring the screen back up to where it was, it sits prior to place in my collection. Yes, right I, that's one I, of the first games I noticed, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I've got the big wooden insert in there because I adore this game. It's um, When it first came out, this was really cool, Mini or Not. It was their first time putting out a game that was really about strategic gameplay and a strong competitive game above and beyond just cool minis. Because for a long time, Simon put out lots of zombie side and things like that. But the yes. game was there, but it was a big dice chuck and minis game. This is not that at all. It looks like, and I talked about this with Cyclades last week, one of my other favorites, it looks like a big bash em up dudes on a map war game. And it is a little bit, but mostly it's a clever little drafting game. You've got these tiny little cards that you draft. I hate how small they are, but I understand it. You draft <laughs> these cards that have upgrades for your units, upgrades for your leader unit, potentially some upgrades for your boats that can go around the outside of the map there, some big plastic monsters that you can throw onto the board, you know, some uh, some different 
endgame scoring conditions and little bonuses. And so you draft those and then you go into a really interesting, almost economic management dudes on a map war game where everything nice. is going to cost you rage. You have to spend rage to put workers out uh, or warriors out, I should say. You have to spend rage to move them around the board. You have to spend rage to install these upgrade cards on, on your side of the board. And then it plays over three rounds. And the theme of this game is that it's it's Ragnarok. The Vikings are dying and fire is falling from the sky. And each round, one of those uh, areas of the board is going to get completely wiped out and everyone there is going to die. So it makes the board tighter and tighter as you get more resources. So the first round of the game, everyone puts their guys out and then one of the areas gets blown up. But then the second round, everyone's got more resources and less space. And everything that was left there from round one is still there. So it just gets, it goes from this huge map to being a knife fight in a phone booth. It's incredible the way that tension ramps up. And on top of that, the wealth of strategies, the one that people always talk about, and for good reason, is the Loki strategy. Because it's all Norse-themed, some of those cards come around, and the cards that reference Loki almost universally reward you for the death of your warriors. They're all about gaining glory when your warriors go to Valhalla. Or, sorry, Loki specifically is about gaining glory when you lose battles. So he really encourages you to install all these little upgrades, then get one guy, walk him into the middle of a war zone, and go, hey, everyone, let's fight. <laughs> get your ass handed to you. Leave. Go, look at that. I died in a battle. All of the glory to me. Um, while at the same time, you can get Thor cards that are just massive upgrades to combat. Or you can get Odin cards that let you see what other people play for their combat bonuses before you do. It's so, so many directions to play in um, and a really great table presence with those huge minis. I love this game. Have you played this one, Jeff? No, I haven't. Uh, it oh, definitely man. would be on my list. It's definitely, you know, uh, there. How long is the playing time? It does sound like quite a lengthy game. It It's not short but if you know the game it is 90-ish minutes it can go up to that right. two hour mark um right so it, it's long enough that you really get some beef out of it um but i i don't think of it as a particularly long game you know what i mean okay yeah i, I yeah. definitely uh it's definitely one i want to play um uh, interestingly and i should mention that that uh, modern arts are 45 to an hour you won't be there for longer than an hour, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful. Oh yeah, if it gets, yeah. if it gets to an hour, I would actually be surprised. And I'll also let you know that, like when I say ninety minute game that can go up, um, if you look on Board Game Geek, uh, people actually say it's a sixty to ninety minute game. Um, yeah, I find that sometimes you know on Board Game Geek, it's just people who play board games all the time, so they think the games are yeah. quicker than they are. Um, they skew but, younger. They skew shorter. Yes. Yeah. If, if I played this with people who know the game well and we're all, you know, on the top of our games, we could get it done in under an hour without a problem. Right. Yeah, I definitely want to play it. It's it's caught my eye quite a bit. As it, know as it should have, I would say. Didn't know that it was about Valhalla. That, that makes it uh, a lot more interesting and, and the Norse themes. Yeah, I'll tell you, the problem for me 
with this game is that um, like many Cool Mini or Not projects, it was a Kickstarter game. And I actually missed out on the Kickstarter when it came out. It came out quite a while ago now when I was, you know, I think I was like 20 at the time. So I didn't have a whole lot yeah. of disposable income around. Um, so I just missed out and I haven't been able to get the Kickstarter exclusives, uh, which yeah. I think is one of the big reasons that we really want to push crowdfunding games here, right, Jeff? Yes. Like, let's talk about yes. some of the things that have come or are coming through crowdfunding at the moment. Okay. Uh, I'll go first then. My first pick uh, tonight is Escape from Arkham Asylum. <clears throat> this looks like an incredible amount of fun. It is a plasticky mini game that, they, you know, it's unavoidable. But basically, you take part in the game as one of Batman's villains. So uh, you're um, Joker, Riddler, uh, Bane, Penguin, Harley Quinn, or one of the other rogues galleries of Batman's villains, and you have to get out of Arkham Asylum. There is a uh, there is a series of guards and Killer Croc, and obviously Bats himself that you need to get past to win the game. Uh, there are expansions already. There's one where you're Suicide Squad, so you've got to go in and extract. Uh, the villain, there's one where you're on the side of the guards. There's several others. I've just, I have backed this already. I've just backed the base game and expansions because my thought with uh, the base game and, and, and rewards, because my thought is with a game like this, you can get the expansions later. But if the game itself isn't solid, then you're, you're kind of wasting your time. Luckily, this does look solid. This looks like a lot of fun. The kind of thing, it's semi-cooperative. <clears throat> So it's a bit like Nemesis, which I'll talk about in a couple of weeks. Uh, so it is cooperative, but yeah, you're going to have your own missions. You're going to have your own things that you need to achieve to get the game part, to get to win the game. It looks like a lot of fun. I'm I'm personally really looking forward to this. Warning: it is on the more expensive side of a Kickstarter. <coughs> on the more expensive side of a Kickstarter slash game found, obviously because of all the uh, all the plastic bits and all the fun bits that are going to be associated with it. Yeah, absolutely. What I'll say about this one is that um, Night Games are the company making it, uh, who I believe used to be called or part of the company is called Night Models, who have been making a Batman miniatures game for years at this point. So those sculpts that they've got for the minis, they know what they're doing and they look phenomenal. This is one yeah, of those games you. where even if you decide you don't like the gameplay, the quality of the minis that you get with it, if you're someone who is interested in Batman at all, which, like, who isn't, um, <laughs> seem phenomenal. Like, as soon as I saw the Nightwing mini in this game, I was ready to part with three figures worth of dollars to get it. You know what I mean? I ended yeah. up not making that decision because I'm going to try and play friends copies of it. But, man, it's so beautiful. Um, yeah. <clears throat> speaking it's, of uh, expensive... I think I think it's going to be at PAX this year. I think the, the makers of the games are flying out for PAX. So I think we'll see it at PAX in Melbourne, which I'm really excited about. Absolutely. Um, speaking of full of plastic and expensive, I think whenever there's a cool mini or not, uh, you know, project going on, it is worth talking about. And Simon have just put up their latest Mordred, <laughs> which is another one of these big plasticky dudes on a map games that um, their track record recently has been kind of irreproachable on these things. Um, mm. There was a time where a Simon game would be just a bunch of minis with some rules to tie it together. These days, that's not the case. These things are 
really kind of incredible. Uh, this is claiming to be a 90-minute game. Again, it's got uh, these ideas where you've got a few different leaders in the game and your faction will have to appeal to those leaders in different ways. But it uses a rondelle to track time. So different actions take different amounts of time and uh, that's going to affect what you're able to do because if you take a whole lot of time doing something, other players are going to have time to do a few things before it's your turn again. Really interesting mm. mechanism that has been done well in some other games, even small things like Bottle Cap Vikings, um, that I think are, is always so interesting. Um, again, it is going to be on the pricier side. I think to get it in Australia, you are looking at around the $150 mark just for the base game plus shipping. But keep in mind that this is a Seamon campaign, which means you're getting dozens of stretch goals with all additional little plastic dudes and dudettes. Um, <clears throat> and on top of that, I mean, the art is just stunning. Regardless of the gameplay, if you look at that art, and I have just thrown some in the top right corner there, this style mm. that they've gone for is so strange and out there and old-timey and yet really classy. I, I think it's beautiful to look at and i'm hoping that it's just as much fun to play so that one is mordred and it is on kickstarter i did i did have a look at this i i, I decided against getting it because heck i'm going to be getting the cyclades one upon your recommendation but <clears throat> it's uh, the guys who created this created ethnos so you know and we come back to ethnos again but we you know it's going to be because uh, ethnos is quite, great it's going to be quite a solid game. Ethnos is oh, yeah. lovely. Uh, my next one, sorry, is uh, right. the reason we're a few minutes late is because Jeff was sitting on his PS5 playing Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire is uh, it's a game. It's a, a basically a roguelike dungeon crawler where you climb up and you defeat bad guys and eventually you win. It's that easy. The um, the the crew from uh, Contention Games have decided the, to build. A, you craft a new a unique deck. You encounter bizarre creatures, discover relics of immense power, and finally become strong enough to slay the spire. It's a cooperative game. Uh, it's on um, backer backer kit at the moment. Uh, that's where you can find it, and it just looks divine. If it captures the same humor and and same. Uh, I guess gameplay and mechanics of the the PlayStation game, and it probably will. This is going to be one to add to your collection. And I'll be honest, I am. Uh, I'm just waiting on a, a bit of a cash influx, and then I'll be I'll be back in this one. Yeah, uh, I I love the video game of Splay, of Slay the Spire. Those roguelike deck builders are absolutely in my wheelhouse, and this is very very tempting to me as well. So one that I'm keeping an eye on and potentially jumping in on. Uh, my next uh, game that I want to talk about is another one on Kickstarter. And while the gameplay sounds interesting, it's actually not the reason I want to highlight it. This game is called Wolves, which is not the most thrilling name I've ever heard. <clears throat> Pardon me. <laughs> but the more I looked into I started and I went, oh, okay, that looks fine. And then the more I started reading about it, the more wow. intrigued I got. So this isn't a huge game, but the gist is that you are all trying to survive the winter. You all play as different tribes, and each of those tribes is better at getting and gathering food and resources in some way. 
The trick is that you don't have to keep those resources to yourselves. You can offer them to the other players around the table. And doing that, giving the other players around the table resources, is what gets you effectively points. It's what gets you reputation. And that is what's going to decide the outcome of the game. So you're in this situation where you need resources to survive in a kind of cooperative way. If if people start dying, if someone dies, you lose. So everyone's got to stay alive. But uh-huh. you want to give you want to give resources to people, but you actually don't want to take too many resources from other people. So someone will offer mm. you something, and if you think you've got enough to get by, you go, mm, "No thanks, I don't want to give you the points for offering different resources." Um, which I think is a super neat idea. But then the more I read about this, the more um, interested I became. It's actually designed by uh, a group of... uh, The company that makes it uh, is a Native American-led company. It is all Indigenous peoples working on this game. There's a couple of art people who... uh, Like, you know, the person who did the voiceover for the Kickstarter video is not Indigenous. But other than that from a range of indigenous groups have designed this game. And they've also designed it with sustainability in mind. So there are no plastic components in this game. This game is designed to be uh, eventually um, something that can break down and not cause long-term waste to the environment. Um, A lot of the profits are going to First Nations people in the Americas. um, And a, a lot of the ideas in the game are based on you know, Native American beliefs and things of that nature, with which I think is so amazing to have a game that looks good, but also you can feel good about backing. I think that's super cool. So that's Wolves with W O L V E S, which is currently on Kickstarter. I'm going to have a look at that. I'm definitely going to have a look at that. I think um, for you and I, doing Kickstarter games is a it's a trap, Lachlan. Why did I suggest I it? know. I've got into a trap because... This is going to be so bad for them. us. Yeah. I want all of these. Yeah. I'm, I'm never going to see income again. Uh, no, no, that looks like a sponsored game, and the, the cause is fantastic. <clears throat> now I think, uh, well, uh, we, we've got a few minutes left. Why don't we look at uh, some of our favourite small box games? Absolutely. So we are going to do a bit of a draft here. You're going to have to watch me be hot on the keyboard as I grab some images to throw up on the screen because we are going to back and forth draft our favorite small box games. These are, I think, mostly going to be card games because that tends to be what's small. But these are games that you can grab in one hand and that's the whole thing. You can throw them in a bag ready to play. Uh, Jeff, why don't you take it away with your first pick for a small game? Remember, we get three we get three each, and we might have to. We've got we've got enough here that if we need to change, we can. We've, all, <laughs> we've both set backups. Yeah, we've got to be honest. If we picked, like, if I picked one and you've yeah. got it in your list, you've got to tell me. And I'll I've got let to you start know. With the crew, Mission Deep Sea. It is a almost beautiful... picked it. One of my backups. <laughs> it's a beautiful game. It's a it's a completely cooperative game where you are. Uh, just at the mercy of the deck. You can't say much about the cards you've got. You can only put a counter on a card to say it's the only one you've got, it's the lowest one you've got, or it's the highest one you've got of any suit. Uh, There are trump cards. It is absolutely bloody delightful. It's a quick play. It's it's a very Moorish game. 
<coughs> if you play uh, one hand, you'll find that you wind up playing six or seven hands and you're just smiling and laughing and enjoying the whole thing. It's the sequel, it's the sequel to The Crew. And many people said that this did a better job. Uh, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more merciless, but Jesus, is it fun. And the story it weaves and tells of the mission that you're on is quite fascinating and durable. And it, it, it's a replayable game because every card you pick up has different wind conditions and you're dictated entirely by these wind conditions. I love the crew, uh, Mission Deep Sea. So I haven't actually played Mission Deep Sea yet. I've only played the original crew. But it almost made my list here because the just the idea of a cooperative trick-taking game is so cool. And the way it makes you think about yeah. playing cards in a totally yeah. different way is incredible. Um, I, again, haven't played this one, but everyone tells me it's better, which I have trouble believing because the crew is such a good game. <clears throat> but look, for me, when you say small games, there's one that comes to mind. Immediately before I thought of anything else, this is actually, I think, the first hobby board game that I bought when I started getting into board games because it's so cheap, because it's so small. Kicking off the micro game trend a few years back was this game, Love Letter. Love Letter is beautiful, unbelievably small. I think it's a grand total of 16 cards or something like that. Um, but in that, yeah. it manages to yeah. fit deduction and take that and these goofy little sequences of luck and intrigue that oh i adore it the gist of the game is the cards are numbered one to nine you'll have one in your hand you'll pick up another one and then you'll discard one taking the effect on the one you discarded at the end of the game whoever's got the highest number in their hand wins yep. that's it but the trick is that those discard effects are things like Hmm, guess what's in another player's hand? And if you're right, you eliminate them. Trade hands with another player. Have a look at what's in another player's hand. Oh, if you discard this one, you lose the game. Oh, if you've got one of these cards in hand, you can't discard them. You've got to discard this. All of a sudden, <clears throat> information starts creeping onto the table. You're able to start firing <laughs> off wild guesses into people's hands. But the longer the game goes on, the more cards are on the table. There's only a couple of possibilities for what each player could have. You might get the opportunity to snipe them before you go to the end of the game. Do you discard a good card to get a good effect, thinking that you can knock out another player? Or do you hold on to it, thinking that everyone's surviving to the end and you need to win on that high number? Such a brilliant game in such a small package. Unbelievable. It, it's great. And the uh, all the expansions and different themed love letters there are now, are just, you know, it just... It's a timeless game. It's been out for a long time. It's an older game. But, geez, it, it's it's absolutely timeless. I don't have any problems with either of the ones we've chosen. No. But if you don't mind, my third one... Oh, come on. I didn't have mind. it, but it's on my backup list again. It's the mind. It is a perfect game. It is the card version of the game where you close your eyes in a group of people and have to count to 20. You never know who's going <coughs> to jump in and usurp you. Everyone's given a hand of, I think, seven cards, and you've got to go up in order, I, uh, ascendingly, and, you know, you, you may fuck each other up, but you cannot say a word. It is a silent Let me game. jump in there, Todd. You it will fuck each other up. 
Yes, you will fuck. Like, There's no way you're going to swear. I already did. <laughs> you will fuck each other up. But the mind is a beautiful game. It is simple. It is easy. It's easy to learn. It's easy to play. Its replayability is high. If you can count from one to a hundred and read numbers on a card, you can play it. And you play it with such joy because it is a truly cooperative game. If one wins, everybody wins. And how nice is that? I just, I love the mind. Yeah, I cannot talk highly enough about the mind. This is, oh, my screen's gone a bit goofy as I was adjusting that stuff. Um, but yeah, <laughs> this is one where I, the person I play this with the most, other than my partner, is actually my mother. Um, we bring this when yeah. we go to mum and dad's and I pull this out and we play a round of it and everyone goes, all right, one more round. All right, one more. Yeah. Come on, we can yeah. beat that. Let's go one more. We can because beat Yeah. you don't have to think about it. You go, hmm, I got a 27. That's a that's an 18 on the table. This is probably probably the right card to put at play. And then you start moving and someone <laughs> else puts down the 26 in front of you and you're like, oh, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Or even worse, or, even worse, you're playing it and someone puts down the 28 and you just look and at it like, and go, yeah. oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Such a simple game to get such a great reaction out of. I uh, I think the mind and is a brilliant you, pick. If you've never heard people go, I was waiting for you to go. They'll say it a yeah. lot in this game. I'll say it a oh, lot yeah. when you're playing this game. <laughs> Lovely. Now, Love the mind. For my second game, and I actually can't remember if I picked this uh, for my draft last week. It's very possible that I did because I just adore this game. Uh, this is For Sale. Now, For no, you Sale, didn't. if you... Okay, great. Have you played For Sale, Jeff? No, I haven't. Look. A lot of people haven't, and I don't know why. To me, this is an absolute all-timer. This should be up there. With... It should be above Catan in terms of games everyone's played. It's brilliant. So the game plays out in two phases. To start, it's an auction. Equal to the number of players, some houses are going to come out. And the houses are numbered 1 to 30, right? So if there's four players, four houses come out randomly. And you all start bidding. I'm willing to spend one. I'm willing to spend two. I'm willing to spend three. But if you drop out, you take back half of your bid and you get the lowest house that's on the market. Ooh. If you're the last player standing... You spend your whole bid for that highest value house. So if the cards come out and that number 30 is sitting there and the card below it is the number 12, I'm going to bid six. I want that 30. But now you've bid seven. If I go up to eight, I'll lose eight. But at the same time, do I want to spend three for the 12? Heartbreaking. And then after that, you take your houses and really simply the second phase of the game, different amounts of money are going to come out. What, zero to 15. Everyone's going to pick one of the houses they drafted, flip it up. Whoever flips up the highest house gets the highest amount of money. Whoever flips up the lowest house gets the lowest amount of money all the way through. So you are basically spending the first round of the game auctioning off the cards that you will use for the second round of the game to earn money. It's such a simple theme because everyone understands wanting to have the most money to win the game. Everyone understands a better house is worth more money. But the interactions you get where that $15 million card comes out and you're like, oh, come on, I can take this. I've got the 30. I can take this. And you flip over the 30 and they flipped over the 29 and they flipped over the 28 and they flipped over the 27. And you go, you fools. You knew yeah. I had the 30. 
and they've just wasted their high value card. Oh, it's just brilliant. And doing it the other <laughs> way as well, knowing you've got the 30 and that $15 million check comes out and you're like, I've got this, guys. 18. I'm going to take all the money for an 18. And everyone goes, what, mm. you bastard? Um, mm. Yeah. Absolutely superb. So simple. Unfortunately, costs a little bit more than it should. Um, I'm sure you agree, Re. Re, welcome to the chat. Thanks for joining us. But yeah, I, hey, I think Ree. the sale is just an absolute masterpiece that can fit in the palm of your hand. Can't talk about it highly enough. Jeff, well, one more pick. I Make mean, it a good one. How hard was this to pick our favorite small box games? I could have I had know. Six Nimit. I could have had Scout. But my third and absolute one of my absolute favorite games, I don't know if you can see there, is Skull King. Skull King is just great. Now, the thing that makes this mechanic this interesting is that you have to consider the number of uh, hands you're going to win in each round. So uh, there are there are uh, four suits. So there's a, a trump suit. Then there's a red. Uh, there's green blue and yellow so you uh you have your cards but there are also special ability cards so these special ability cards mean that you get uh you you can gauge exactly how many suits you think you can win and you predict the suits and whoever gets the most suits uh, whoever gets the most hands correct gets more points and closer and closer to winning the game. It is a delightful game. It is an easy game to play. I haven't explained it that well, but it's it's an easy game to play. It's a lovely game to play, and I, I just I just adore this game. It's one that we we put, picked out quite often with my friends group, and played it with six or seven players, and everyone's laughing and enjoying it. And uh, yeah, I strongly strongly recommend Skull King. Play it with all of the extra cards because they make it way more interesting. Jeff, not only have I never played this game, I've never heard of this game. Lachlan. Lachlan, I have to come up to Queensland and slap the shit out of you for that. <laughs> I want to play this. This sounds really interesting. I, I love a trick-taking game. It is such I'm... fun. It is such fun. I think it's on, uh, I think it's on you know, your, your online board game consoles. So, you know, your, oh, your have... board game arenas and, and that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun. I'll have to check it out because that sounds right up my alley. Um yeah, well, I've got one more for the list as well. And uh, my final pick is a game called Welcome to the Dungeon. Now, I played this game. You you might not have heard of this one, Jeff. This one flew under the radar a little bit. I played it way back when it came out from Oink Games and was called Dungeon of Mandom. That was a long time ago now, and that's a terrible name. But Welcome to the Dungeon is such a strange concept. It's a push-your-luck game but you're almost pushing everyone else's luck too. The way it works is at the start of the game, there is an empty dungeon deck and a fully equipped hero. The hero's got a shield that gives them some extra defense and a sword to take out some enemies and all that kind of stuff. And on your turn, it's really simple. You draw a card from a deck of monsters. It'll have a number on it that tells you how dangerous it is. You've got two choices. You either put that monster into the dungeon or you remove one piece of equipment from the hero and put that card out of the game. And then when it's your turn, you can choose to have that turn or you can go, nah, that dungeon's not safe. 
this adventurer can't get through that dungeon. You've got some knowledge. You know what the adventurer still has, what equipment they've still got. And you know the cards that you've put into the dungeon, but you don't know what everyone else has put into the dungeon. You don't know what cards they've taken out to remove equipment from the dungeon. Did they take out the massive dragon when they removed that shield? Or did they take out a tiny little imp? Is that dungeon really dangerous and you've got no equipment? Or is that dungeon actually really safe and you've got enough to get through it? Because the trick is, whoever's the last person standing, whoever is the last person to bow out, they've got to go in the dungeon. They've got to flip over those cards and work out if they can survive and kill all the monsters. And if they do, they get a point. Two points wins the game. But if they don't, they get a wound. Two wounds, you lose. Really simple. Plays so quickly, because on your turn, you literally have one choice and then another choice. It's all binary. You choose, you choose, it's the next person's turn. And then when it gets to you, that. you inevitably go, oh, far out, what am I going to do? <laughs> that sounds terrific. That does sound great. I have, look, I think we've chosen six great, six great small box games. I mean, yeah, yeah. and the great think... thing, I was going to say the great thing about small box games is they're relatively uh, inexpensive. You can pick them up on the cheap and yes. and they provide as much entertainment as your big hulking terraforming Mars and, and Ark Novas and all that sort of thing. I mean, The Mind, and Love Letter, th these are games that have provided me with so much entertainment and joy. And, you know, I, I love the, your, uh, your small box games. The bang for your buck on these things is ridiculous. Like, just yes, between The Mind and Love Letter, that's, what, 30 bucks, 40 bucks? I have yeah. had dozens and dozens of hours between those two games of playing yeah. awesome, fun social games. It's absolutely brilliant. So there is our draft of small games. Jeff has picked The Crew, Mission Deep Sea, The Mind, and Skull King. And I've picked Love Letter for Sale and Welcome to the Dungeon. So you know what? If you think one of us has a better draft, you should let us know. On Facebook, search for Board of Games. You'll be able to find our page there. You can go on over to Twitter and find us there. We are at Board of Games Pod on Twitter. You can also find us uh, soon on Instagram at Board of Games Podcast. We'll be there now. as well. Now. Um, we're, we're, we're on there now. It's we're on happened. there now. We're on, we're there, on now. there now. We need some photos up, baby. Um, <laughs> it's all about the content here in the mines. <laughs> There is so much cool stuff going on in the world of board gaming. So I am having so much fun, not only doing these drafts with you, Jeff, but talking about new games, talking about old games and talking about what's coming out on the crowdfunding platforms. Look, I think, uh, I, you know, I think this is such a fun uh, concept for a podcast and I'm, I'm glad that we're, uh, we're doing this one together. And, you know, at some point I will bring this up to Queensland because it can fit in any suitcase and we're going to get a couple of games of Skull King under our belt. Yeah, I think you owe me a couple of games of Skull King there, Jeff. All right. That seems like it's going to do us for tonight, though. So on behalf of my main man, Jeff Setti, by the way, if you want to follow Jeff on uh, Twitter, you can do it at Jeff underscore Setti. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do it here at Lachlan Albert. But and follow Re at follow Re at Ring the Bell. At Ring the Bell well. with a H, yeah. At Ring the Bell, because uh yeah, she she has some great stuff. I think she's gone, but there we go. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to talk to Ree. I haven't talked to Ree except through podcast chats, and I need to. 
But anyway, until next time, on behalf of my good friend there, Jeff Setti, I've been Lachlan Albert. Till next time, have a good one.